whether you played with yourself and took a nap or you've been edging in anticipation, it's time for part two of our episode on masturbating with our host Phoenix and our guest Nathan on the internet was a mistake. And we are back talking about nofap. Uh, we left off just going through the questions that I had asked Alex. Um, and right now we're on question number four. Why does your community seem to have such an issue with the LGBTQ plus community? And holy shit, what the fuck is wrong with nofap users? So in the same thread about nofap being right wing, I saw someone say, well, it's against the terms of service, and anytime somebody comes in here spouting bigoted stuff, users jump in to defend the victims of bigotry. Which is not fucking true. Like, it's just not. For example, nofap forum user Krabra posted a thread about same-sex attraction on the 19th of April 2019. In it, he says that same-sex attraction in men is a masculinity issue caused by either an overattached mother or an overhostile father. This is straight from the 1940s, I swear to Lucifer. Like, it's... So, as a side note, and I know that it isn't from NoFap directly, but it does come from friend of NoFap and multicellular amoeba Gary Mitosis Wilson's Your Brain on Porn, which has a video from Noah B.E. Church that was submitted 26th of December 2016, titled, Straight Guys Watching Transsexual Porn? Are They Gay? At one point during that video, Noah reads a message from someone that says uh, that he says is a trans woman. The phrase in relationships with real women is used. Natural woman is used to contrast with trans woman. Trans porn is often equated to gay porn. Slurs against trans people by people who post to NoVap are overly abundant. Yeah. I I ran a little script to to compare the the numbers and literally slurs for trans people are used exactly the same with exactly the same frequency as just the word trans. So it's pretty bad. Yeah, there there's a strong air of like conversion therapy by way of abstinence from porn and masturbation to the whole nofap community. And there's like, there's just real insidious aspects to the anti-porn and anti-masturbation community. There are a couple of acronyms that you see pretty often across the NoFap subreddit forums and then on your brain on porn's website. Uh, one of those is SSA or same-sex attraction. Another is HOCD or homosexual obsessive compulsive disorder. These are both defined as men who are just so addicted to porn that they start watching quote-unquote extreme types of porn that make them question their sexuality. <sighs> Obviously, neither one of these things are recognized by the APA, nor do they appear in the DSM-5, nor do they appear in the ICD-11. 
both of those tags will have people seeking uh, accountability partners or APs to keep them from porn so that they can recover from their same-sex attraction. Yes, so SSA specifically is a term that is used by gay conversion therapy camps and, and places like that where they tell you that like if you say, oh, I'm gay, and they say, no, there's no such thing as a homosexual. You're just a person who experiences same-sex attraction. And uh, there's a really good movie about that called The Miseducation of Cameron Post that I would definitely recommend. Yeah, that, it's a great movie. And um, there, there have been tons of studies into like conversion therapy. It is not recognized or recommended by any reputable psychiatrist. And in fact, I, I need to check this real quick. I don't. I think it is still technically legal in the United States, but the United States is also a third world country pretending to be a first world country. What is conversion therapy? Yeah, conversion therapy. Yeah, it's legal in, oh, honey, it's legal, like, in most of the United States. It's, um, I remember, like, not to disclose personal information, so I won't give the name of the county, but... And there was a place I was I was living fairly recently that the big fight that the the queer center was doing politically was trying to get the city council to adopt a ban on conversion therapy. So that's that was, you know, just a few years ago in the United States. It's only like conversion therapy is only banned in a, a few like municipalities. So that, I actually just looked it up uh, on the hrc.org, which I'll include this in our um, our citations. Um, but to date, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, a, uh, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Utah, Virginia, Vermont, Washington, and the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico all have laws or regulations protecting youth from this harmful practice. Um, and eight of those state laws or regulations were enacted under Republican governors. Um, now, a lot of those states are the states that you'd kind of expect to have laws against, uh, against conversion therapy. I think the biggest surprise among that list is Utah, of all places. Um, but yeah, so... In states where, like, you would expect someone to vote for the Democrats, they tend to have laws against conversion therapy, at the very least. Uh, and then on three occasions, the most recent being April 2019, the Supreme Court of the United States actually allowed decisions of the Third United States Circuit Court of Appeals upholding New Jersey's anti-conversion therapy law to remain in effect. Uh the Supreme Court has also refused to hear challenges to California's anti-conversion therapy laws in May of 2017 and June of 2014. So um, kind of in the grand scheme of things, making laws against conversion therapy is not, like it's, it's constitutional to do so. So things are moving in the right direction, but the fact that there are still so many states that allow it, um, and there are a lot of companies and organizations that do things to kind of work around it. Like NoFap, for example, they're forcing anybody to participate. So 
had by using the same language of conversion therapy, they are just kind of skirting around like some of those things, uh, which is just super, super sketchy. Um, I was and just going to ask for the uninitiated, <clears throat> what does uh, conversion therapy entail? So is it like you, you're literally sitting there talking to a therapist or I've heard horror stories, no, you know, no, uh, okay. there's <laughs> conversion therapy is kind of a, a misnomer. It is not therapeutic in any capacity. Um, I think so. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's pseudoscience because it's always pseudoscience. Of course it is. They, you know, they appropriate a lot of scientific terms to make themselves sound more, uh, like, more authoritative and it's it's all just lies so, so in fact you cannot be a member of the uh, american psychiatric association and perform conversion therapy i'm pretty sure because they are uh they've issued like numerous statements against it and reiterate their strong opposition which means that you don't get licensed psychologists performing the conversion therapy. You just get religious counselors. But uh, to answer your question as to like, what is conversion therapy, uh, a lot of the practices in it is like, it's kind of like aversion therapy type stuff, uh, which is like they will expose someone to gay porn, for example, and also do something that uh, hurts or is unpleasant in order to create a negative response to homosexuality along um, with having all of your peers shame you yeah Whoa. which the the shame aspect is a big part of the nofap community as well and it's something that we'll touch on a little bit more um here in just a bit but yeah no it's there's it's just bad. It's so bad. Uh, the, wow. the shame is like kind of a matter of control, and like um, I don't, I don't like South Park uh, personally. I think uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker are just kind of cowards who take the well, everybody's wrong, and I'm smarter than everyone else approach to most things. But they actually did an episode of South Park about uh, conversion therapy, where Butter's parents sent him to a gay conversion camp. And it kind of showed uh, some of the, the practices. And it also showed a lot of the side effects because, like, several of the kids that Butters made friends with at the gay conversion camp uh, commit, committed suicide during the episode, which is a very accurate thing. Um, there are a lot of gay conversion camps that have been, like, shut down because of kids dying. And then they get uh, purchased by a... A different company run by the same people to kind of get a uh, get out of the liability of causing the death of children. But yeah, no, gay conversion does not work. It is actively harmful. Really, like one of the best things that you can do for any of your friends or family who are in the LGBT plus community is to just accept them. Like, if someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, I'm a lesbian," or "Hey, I'm trans," be like, "Hey, that's cool." Like, what, how can I help? What can I do for you? You know, yeah. don't be like, oh, hey, that's weird. The Like, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you like that? Um, yeah, no, just, just accept queer people. Just do it. It's, it's not hard. It's, it's, it's not hard. It's very easy. Yeah. It, it takes more effort to, to discriminate against queer people than it takes to just let them be people. Yeah. Yeah. 
But moving right along, uh, the last question that I had for, for Mr. Rhodes was, where's the science? And the answer to that question is another question. It's the same question, as a matter of fact. Where's the fucking science, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> the anti-porn and masturbation and orgasm community have all kinds of issues that I do not see getting addressed by any of the leaders. Uh, Zimmer and Imhoff recently published the results of a survey that they took in the Archives of Sexual Behavior, which showed a strong connection between people who abstain from porn and masturbation with a decreased belief in science. That makes sense, of course, based off of what we've looked at so far. The leaders of rebooting communities seem to take the same approach to science that creationists do, which is to say that they start at their conclusion and then work backwards to prove it. Along with that tendency towards conservatism comes a host of other problems. For example, on the 5th of November 2018, uh, X-Hamster posted a tweet about No Nut no November and challenging the anti-science of Fight the New Drug, whose website cites Your Brain on Porn, much to my surprise. Several people responded to the post with anti-Semitic memes and comments like Death to Pornographers. I will link some of those in the citations. A lot of these tweets were defended as being quote-unquote just jokes, but it's pretty hard to laugh about a subject that is sincerely believed by white supremacists. White supremacist hatred of pornography goes back as far as the 1970s, if not even further, uh, but 1970s for sure. Their logic generally goes that pornography is made by Jewish people to keep poor defenseless white men masturbating at home instead of going out and making more white babies to secure the further existence of white people. Which, uh... Oh, brother. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, hey guys. It's just, we're, we're just gonna talk real quick, just you and me, guys. You have to give yourselves more credit. You are more than your lizard brain telling you to spread your genes. So while doing research, uh, Kat and I found a lot of fascinating numbers getting tossed around by Fight the New Drug and Enough is Enough, who are another of the two big names in the anti-PMO circle. They claimed that the porn industry pulls in about 97 billion, with a B, dollars a year, which is, according to them, more than the sports and music industries combined. Now, numbers are my favorite thing in the world. Fight the New Drug is speaking my language. So I decided to check their numbers for myself. Now, Nathan, do you watch sports? I've been known to watch a sports or two in, in my path. What is your favorite sport to watch? Currently, it is basketball, NBA. Good choice. How much money do you think the NBA made in Year of Our Lord 2020? You know, I'm not good with numbers. Uh, minimum $12. Uh, God. <laughs> minimum of $12 is a, is a good good guess. Uh, it's Thank a little you. bit short of the actual number, uh, but it is at <laughs> I least it's probably in the billions, right? Yeah, it's uh, so the NBA pulled in a little under $8 billion last year. We'll just wow. round it up for sake of simplicity. And that's despite the pandemic. Uh, yeah, despite the pandemic. Oh, all right. Know, uh, the the NBA is actually like second place uh, last year in terms of like income among like sports stuff. Well, third third place. 
It came in third. Uh, the NFL pulled in historically low numbers for the 2020 season with $12 billion. My goodness. Uh, yeah. The the NHL, hockey, pulled in $5 billion, but uh, who fucking cares about hockey? Hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our, our resident Canadian was offended by that statement. I mean, I kind of, I kind of like watching hockey sometimes, as much as I'm not super into sports. <laughs> okay, so NFL, twelve billion, NBA, eight billion, NHL, five billion, uh, soccer for you damn Yankees, or football to the rest of the civilized world, pulled in a killer twenty-eight billion dollars worldwide fewer people give a shit about nascar than people who care about the nhl but i went ahead and checked the numbers for nascar anyway because we are all about accuracy on this here program they pull in a little bit more than half a billion each year you skipped baseball which apparently made 10 billion oh i did skip baseball huh I forgot that baseball was a sport. Most people forget about baseball. <laughs> the national pastime is forgetting about baseball. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's a lot of numbers. Uh, I, I know it's a lot of numbers, but just real quick, we're going to add in uh, IFPI's Global Music Report, uh, who logged in $21.6 billion for 2020. So altogether, that brings us to, uh, you said the baseball was $10 billion? Yeah. Okay, so that adds up to $85 billion uh, worldwide for 2020. The Olympics also, on average, uh, even even when they're not happening, still their average revenue is about a billion dollars. Interesting. But Wow. Huh. Uh, but the Olympics didn't happen last year, so we're not going to count those. Now, according to Absolute Market Insights, the porn market in 2019 was estimated at $35.17 billion and was expected to grow by 15% for 2020. I don't think uh, AMI accounted for the COVID-19 pandemic, but even if the market full-on doubled, that would still only bring online porn to a $70.34 billion industry for 2020. That's still about $26.66 billion shy of Fight the New Drug's claim. But I'm sure that's just an honest mistake. And, you know, there are margins of error in these calculations. Not usually a 37.9% margin of error. But who am I to judge? <laughs> gosh i mean imagine oh you don't even have to imagine it because we lived it a year where everybody literally everybody in the world is locked in their home and still coming up 26 billion dollars short yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous come on it's also worth noting that the place we got this statistic from absolute market insights is a market research company that would have an incentive to exaggerate the size of oh, the yeah. porn market because they want to they want you to invest in it. So 
the the more they have no incentive to make it look unprofitable. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Wow. Yeah, pretty interesting. <laughs> if you add in the 2020 uh, sex toy market as well, then suddenly there's another 33.64 billion dollars in play, which is interesting. Uh, sex toys can definitely be masturbatory tools. They are completely separate from the porn industry, though. But maybe fight the new drug and enough is enough included sex toys because just people use them while they masturbate, right? But it seems a bit deceptive to me. But there is at least, you know, some some logic there. I also happened to work in a sex shop a few years ago, just fun fact. Uh, and this is purely anecdotal evidence, which I am constantly harping on. We'll cite you in the comments. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> cite myself, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, just take take what I'm about to say with a massive grain of salt, like all the salt in the world, uh, that's fine. But like when I was selling sex toys, the vast majority of the ones that I sold were like marital aids, as in couples were buying them together and using them together. And like sex toys encompass everything from dildos to wands to flashlights to cheapo like entry level BDSM gear to cock rings. And like while all of those could be used solo, most of them are not. Again, that's just in my experience and it's still anecdotal evidence, which is not as useful in the grand scheme of things. But uh, taking Taking sex toys away from the equation means that fight the new drug and enough is enough are conflating the numbers that they're presenting. Almost like they want it to look like this supposed problem is way bigger than it actually is. Now, why on earth can that be, I wonder? Huh. It's just just something to think about. How strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, a little bit odd. Kind of weird. Oh, kind of weird. <laughs> that is an in joke that only you and I are going to get. <laughs> oh. uh, this is going to be another good spot for a quick break. We will okay. be right back. Dear listener, we'd like to thank you for listening to The Internet Was a Mistake. Now I ask you to bear with me during this short public service announcement. From the committee to make bears a cryptid. You know, there's a real danger to hearing the same word, like bear, for instance, repeated too many times. Eventually, it's just stripped bare of all meaning. And you know, that can be a hard cross to bear for anyone. Trust no. me, I you know how it is absolutely and we are back. Now, we're going to go off on another tangent for just a moment. Bear with me, please. In 2014, Zachary Dodes and Lance Dodes, MD, published a book called The Sober Truth, debunking the bad science behind 12-step programs and the rehab industry. In it, Mr. Dodes and Dodes detail the ineffectuality of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, Alcoholics Anonymous advertises itself as having a success rate of 75% to 80%. 
AA is so prevalent that people can be ordered by courts to attend meetings, despite having an actual success rate of probably about 5 to 8%. Those numbers seem staggering when you first hear them. But have you ever actually looked at what the 12 steps are? I'll give you a hint. None of them involve talking to a fucking psychologist. 12-step meetings are almost all community-organized meetings with no professional help and a religious bent. Now, it's interesting fact. Uh, I don't know if you can draw any parallels to what we're talking about this episode. I'm just throwing this information out there because I'm weird like that. I'm also going to read a story now that uh, Gabrielle Glasser wrote for The Atlantic in April of 2015. J.G. is a lawyer in his early 30s. He's a fast talker and has the lean, sinewy build of a distance runner. His choice of profession seems preordained, as he speaks in fully formed paragraphs, his thoughts organized by topic sentences. He's also a warrior, a big one, who for years used alcohol to soothe his anxiety. J.G. started drinking at 15 when he and a friend experimented in his parents' liquor cabinet. He favored gin and whiskey, but drank whatever he thought his parents would miss the least. He discovered beer, too, and loved the earthy, bitter taste on his tongue when he took his first cold sip. His drinking increased through college and into law school. He could, and occasionally did, pull back, going cold turkey for weeks at a time. But nothing quieted his anxious mind like booze, and when he didn't drink, he didn't sleep. After four or six weeks dry, he'd be back at the liquor store. By the time he was a practicing defense attorney, J.G., who asked to be identified only by his initials, sometimes drank almost a liter of Jameson in a day. He often started drinking after his first morning court appearance, and he says he would have loved to drink even more had his schedule allowed it. He defended clients who had been charged with driving while intoxicated, and he bought his own breathalyzer to avoid landing in court on drunk driving charges himself. In the spring of 2012, J.G. decided to seek help. He lived in Minnesota, the land of 10,000 rehabs, people there like to say, and he knew what he had to do, check himself into a facility. He spent a month at a center where the treatment consisted of little more than attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. He tried to dedicate himself to the program, even though, as an atheist, he was put off by the faith-based approach of the 12 steps, five of which mentioned God. Everyone there warned him that he had a chronic progressive disease and that if he listened to the cunning internal whisper promising that he could just have one drink, he would be off on a bender. J.G. says it was this message that there were no small missteps and one drink might as well be 100 that set him on a cycle of binging and abstinence. He went back to rehab once more and later sought help at an outpatient center. Each time he got sober, he'd spend months white-knuckling his days in court and his nights at home. Everything would fall and his heart would race as he thought ahead to another sleepless night. So, I'd have one drink, he says. And the first thing on my mind was, I feel better now, but I'm screwed. I'm going right back to where I was. I might as well drink as much as I possibly can for the next three days. He felt utterly defeated. And according to AA doctrine, the failure was his alone. 
when the 12 steps don't work for someone like JG, Alcoholics Anonymous says that person must be deeply flawed. The big book, AA's Bible, states, Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually, men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to think they, they are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. JG's despair was only heightened by his seeming lack of options. Every person I spoke with told me there was no other way, he says. I really want to make note of JG's cycle of abstinence followed by binging, which is very similar to what you can find on the NoFap forums. The Atlantic article goes on to describe Miss Glaser's interactions with a neuroscientist named John David Sinclair, who suggested that going cold turkey only intensifies cravings. Now, that's for alcohol, something that isn't a natural function or a part of the human body. Alex Rhodes and Gary Wilson want us to treat porn addiction as seriously as alcohol addiction. So why are they the leaders of the reboot movement? Alexander has a bachelor's degree in biology from the University of Pittsburgh. Gary has apparently taught anatomy, physiology, and pathology at vocational schools in California and Oregon. Neither of them are neuroscientists or seem to be associated with neuroscientists. In fact, both of them have filed lawsuits against Nicole Prouse, who is a neuroscientist and has refuted their claims. Both lawsuits were settled out of court, which Alex and Gary have both touted as victories. Now, why is it that two people who have no training in neurology, psychiatry, psychology, or therapeutic techniques are the biggest names in the porn addiction recovery movement? And damn, isn't it interesting that recovery from PMO seems like it's setting people up for failure, which will keep people using their websites. A person who is using nofap.com's forums to seek help recovering from their so-called pornography addiction are not talking to an associated psychologist who could lead them through cognitive behavioral therapy to address a problem that could be as mild as they watch porn and masturbate once a day to they watch porn and masturbate once every 30 minutes, which are considered equally awful by an overwhelming amount of the anti-porn community. They're thrust into a culture where they feel shamed for their quote-unquote relapses. Do you remember how earlier I was talking about how the most common causes for anorgasmia are depression and anxiety? It really makes me wonder where that depression and anxiety could be coming from. Isn't it so fucking convenient that those people have to Definitely very separate communities to help them, led by none other than Alexander Rhodes and Gary Wilson, who advertise each other's sites and both sued a neuroscientist totally independent of each other. I sympathize with people who are actually struggling with sexual addiction. I want you all to get the help that you need, but mental health services in the United States is fucking awful. Health insurance doesn't always cover counseling services, which I think everybody could stand to benefit from. And men especially are expected to just fucking deal with their issues instead of seeking help. 
but I plead with you, with anyone who's listening and just can't handle it, please talk to a trained and licensed psychologist first. Psychology Today actually has a very helpful tool for finding psychologists and therapists, and many of them do sliding scales if that is something that you're worried about. And I'm going to be honest with you, there are several therapists out there who just suck. I had one who up and moved to Maryland without telling me until I tried to schedule an appointment. Like, it, it's painful to find someone that you can connect with and trust, but I promise you, they are more interested in helping you than some assholes who don't trust science. The NoFap people on their forum in, in several different spots say things like, well, on this one, I'm going to have to trust the bro science over the science science. Yeah. Come on. One of the most like frustrating parts about NoFap and your brain on porn is that the porn industry actually is like really fucking bad. It just... It's not bad for the reasons that they claim. From the Financial Diet, which is a source for this episode, um, lots of performers in porn are considered independent contractors, which means they do not get benefits like a typical full-time employee should get. Uh, Several will supplement their income with independent cam shows, which don't offer any protections against screen capping or recording, which opens performers up to everything from wage theft to intellectual property infringements to even fucking blackmail. Uh, Amateurs in the industry, especially those without agents, may have to either pay someone to do their hair and makeup or try to do it themselves, which, like, can you imagine Jennifer Lawrence trying or having to do her own fucking mystique makeup? No. No, absolutely not. So why should a porn actress have to, right? Mm Mm-hmm. To make it even worse, uh, sex workers also have to deal with the stigma that can completely destroy their lives in a way that I don't think anyone really truly appreciates outside of sex workers. Uh, Riley Reyes shared a story in Philosophy Tube's video about sex work, uh, which we will link in the description as well if you have not seen it. Uh, and the stories of one of her friends getting evicted because the landlord found out that she was doing it completely legal sex work. Banks are also very reluctant to do uh, business with sex workers in no small part thanks to the stigma perpetuated by the efforts of people like Alexander Rhodes and Gary Wilson. Or they'll face harassment and death threats like I mentioned earlier when I mentioned X-Hamster. Ultimately, when it comes to porn, I really have to agree with YouTube channel We're in Hell, who I will also link, when he says, ask the actual performers. I am not a sex worker, um, but while I was doing my research, I did find that there seems to be an agreement between professional sex workers and victims of exploitation that porn companies need to verify users. And like, if HBO Max can block me from screenshotting how stupid the Snyder Cut looked in 3-4 ratio, MindGeek, the owners of Pornhub, can absolutely stop downloads. That takes money from the performers. The medium itself is not the problem, and it has the potential to be truly beautiful. Like, sex and intimacy are beautiful, and they should be enjoyed so long as everyone is able to consent to it. And you can help make that a reality by supporting the the global network of sex work projects, who I will link to in the citations.
I guess in conclusion, be more of like Hatsune Miku binder pamphlos and less like Gary Alexander Graham Wilson Rhodes, the whitest capitalist you know. With that said, we are going to go to a short break. And we are back yet again. So I think the first thing we'd like to hear is just your sort of general impressions, Nathan, because uh, I know I heard you had some opinions before we started recording. I did have opinions. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I had opinions on, I would say the wrong topic, but definitely in the arm of the topic. Whenever I heard it was NoFap, I was thinking no, no November, uh, which, you know, is still a form of NoFap. <laughs> it's a very related topic for sure it is a related topic they're they're similar firstly i gotta say though i mean the information is so new after listening to you speak that i'm still kind of just taking everything in i'm I, i'm in disbelief that people like alexander rhodes <laughs> actually exist i don't want to say you know he's the worst person in the world but just an Am I allowed to say am i gonna get sued for that well it, maybe but i don't, I don't think you've so. given us enough information to uh to be immediately identifiable so um we only have a couple regular listeners and i don't think either of them is going to rat us out okay. but at the same time <laughs> at uh, this point alex rhodes seems like based off of my research he seems like the kind of guy who like googles his own name um so it, it's entirely possible that he'll <laughs> he'll find us it certainly is. Definitely. I was just actually while y'all were talking about him, I was wondering how hard it is to pat yourself on the pat back and jerk yourself off at the same time. <laughs> Maybe I'll try that later. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose that's why we have two hands. There we go. Imagine um, it's like uh, rubbing or patting your head and rubbing your tummy at the same time. <laughs> I'll take notes. I'll let y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> Any listeners, please feel free to at us at Oops Internet Pod on Twitter. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so, No Not November, as far as I can tell, is actually like kind of a, a parody uh, of the like NoFap community more than anything else. Um, so, like, it did start as was... a like a challenge uh, to kind of like parody, like the ice bucket challenges stuff, and then people started doing it unironically and claiming like superpowers from uh, like semen retention, which is a whole cult thing. And then the people started like making names about it, like, yeah, no, it's been thirty days since the last time I masturbated, and now I have like achieved perfect consciousness and uh, know everything and can fly and stuff. So, yeah, like, No no, Not November is largely just making fun of uh, NoFab. So, like, keep on doing what you're doing, folks. It's great. They deserve to be made fun of. <laughs> See, even that is is new perspective for me. Uh, you know, I've only ever seen it from the outside in. I haven't dived into the comments or anything. But much like, I mean, I hate to throw Wall Street bets under the bus like this, but 
much like Wall Street, man. <laughs> you, you know, you start to, you, you believe something so much or, or you're so invested ironically that it turns into you know into an unironic investment yeah. so uh, guilty G- game stop to the moon by the way <laughs> and, hey i know several people who have gotten in on the uh game stop to the moon thing uh i am a poor unemployed person outside of this podcast so i did not get in on it but uh yeah no you're absolutely right we're like people do things super ironically to the point where like it loses its irony and um the it's going to be an episode later on but like the donald actually started that way it was people like making fun of a potential donald trump presidency and then the uh the people who weren't able to realize that it was a joke uh, came in and started doing it unironically and to the point where it just became that huge cult thing. Like it's something that you see over and over and over again, as you get more in tune with, you know, like the happenings of the internet and internet culture, uh, which is super mm-hmm. interesting. I'm pretty sure that happened with, uh, like, didn't that happen with gamers rise up too? Yes. That was originally. Yeah. Making yeah. Gamers. No, uh, gamers rise up was a parody of the gamers who take things way too seriously. Uh, but they, didn't make it clear when they were being satirical and when they were being serious. So then people who were serious about the gamer word uh, came in and now Gamers Rise Up is banned on Reddit, I'm pretty sure. So that actually brings up another interesting topic, and I'm going to try not to name any names or LLCs in this topic. Uh, (laughs) so, So these people are, I mean, Gamers Rise Up, was making fun of gamers, then serious gamers started to join, and then, you know, uh, anyway, so now it's a, now it's a literal gamers rise up subreddit. Yeah. And so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm wondering how many of those people that were quote-unquote bullying gamers were closeted gamers? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what if they... <laughs> Gamers Rise Up thing is like I'm a member of Gaming Circle Jerk on Reddit. Uh, it's one of my favorite subreddits because nobody hates gamers like gamers. Uh, just like <laughs> nobody true. hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans, you know. <laughs> I think Mel Brooks said it best. You have to really love something in order to parody it, and I think that's something that a lot of gamers just miss out on. You know, they just they take themselves so seriously that they miss out on the absurdity of it all. Just on the topic of hating something and then starting to unironically love it or whatever, uh, again, takes us back to the topic of tonight and being against the LGBTQ community. There are so many letters. I always miss them and I apologize. It's okay. It's LGBTQ Um. (laughs) is perfect. Um, Yeah, no, there, there are so, so many people. I, as I was doing this research, this was a hard episode to write because I imagine there are so many people who, who were like, yeah, so I started taking hormones and then I decided to try NoFab and now I realize I'm not trans or um, people who are like, yeah, so I was, you know, really into porn and then I started thinking that my friend was cute and now I, I'm afraid of that uh, because society is bad to, to the homosexuals. Um, yeah, I actually want to share real quick. There's two stories that I found that I kind of singled out as examples of people who are almost certainly trans women who then 
tell the story basically of NoFap, um, like curing them from being trans or in the actual reality of what happens, making them repress it for a while. So the first one is someone who, um, someone who talks about having basically like, you know, started watching porn and then gotten into like watching porn that had trans people in it. And then from there, they progressed to like cross-dressing and then they have some friends who are trans women and even I think date one of them. And then they're like, I, they can't shake the feeling that porn did this to them and made them like a trans person because they are, I guess, closeted in their everyday life, except when they're talking to their trans friends or when they're alone or when they're chatting with people online and also in their sexual expression. So then NoFap basically talks them into uh, just trying to not masturbate for 90 days and, and then all of that stuff will just disappear for them and they'll feel like a man. And the other example, which I think is even sadder in some ways, is a similar story where someone is, again, they start watching pornography in their like late teens, this person says when they're um, in college, after they turned 18, then they had their own room and their own internet, and so they started looking at porn, and they um, they made a an, what they call an alter ego, essentially. That's the person they are online, and they started chatting with people, and their alter ego was a girl, and they even had a boyfriend that they had a long-distance relationship with for, like, five or six months or so, and then they got scared and decided that that the feelings were too real for them, and then they turned to NoFap to get help and to, like, block the guy that they'd been talking to who was their boyfriend and um, just, like, ghost him and then watch only, quote, normal porn <laughs> and then also doing manly activities to wash away the feminine feelings. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and those those are not the only two examples of this on NoFap, but those are two representative examples, I think. It- it's incredibly interesting thinking about it because it almost feels like not to discredit any, any of their stories if they are true. Okay. Uh, you know, whenever you go to Amazon and you look at the reviews and like, let's say you're looking up a shampoo, suave shampoo, and then you see the one star review and it's like, this shampoo sucks. You want to go to suave or I'm sorry. You, you want to use Garnier Fructis instead of suave. And normally whenever you see those kinds of reviews, they are paid uh paid patrons to leave negative reviews on products that aren't garnier fruit teas does that make sense yeah Yeah. and so it feels very much like people making up these own stories to you know oh it worked for me it'll work for you even though the story is completely fabricated on the flip side you know the world is a huge place and this 
I, I mean, I, it's it's ridiculous and feels dirty to say, but it could be real, I guess, that not masturbating for 90 days turned you back into a man. It's just so hard to believe, and it's insulting. Well, I think the, the thing about it is that's their temporary conclusion that they reach under the influence of the NoFap movement. Right. And then... Actually, when they get out of that environment and don't have that pressure to conform, then they can explore themselves again. They, yes, and that's, I mean, self-exploration is it's just natural progression. It's, it's sad to be stuck in this echo chamber and feel like you have to repress who you are. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought up the, like, if, if these stories are true, because there's an interesting aspect to the uh, the NoFap forums specifically, like the NoFap.com forums, is that they have these uh, journals that they write in to kind of like detail their journey through like their NoFap experience. And a lot of these guys, because it's like 99% men, um, but a lot of them like <laughs> go into really like explicit detail about their past with porns and like really explicit detail about the kinds of porn that they watch and i have a lot of questions about why like that seems counterproductive to their stated goal of trying to help each other stop watching porn it feels uh, almost pornographic in itself it's oh, man. it's made even worse again because like i, I want to remind everyone that there are literal children on these forums like there's not an age requirement to join nofab like they have people as young as 13 years old participating in this and if they see these grown men uh writing these like super detailed accounts of like the porn that they watch and then they write it themselves then you know there are grown men following the sexual development of these boys and it's uh, yeah. It's very Pizzagate. Yeah. God bless. Yeah, no, it's just, NoFap is a very, very, very toxic environment. And, like, I'm going to be 100% honest. I I think it's a good thing when bad people die. So the fact that Gary Wilson died four years ago, <laughs> it's honestly taken so much energy to keep from, like, spamming his Twitter accounts, like the at your brain on porn with the crab rave uh, gif because he was a fucking awful, vile person and the world is better without him in it. Yes, but it's the official policy of the internet was a mistake to not tweet at people that you will be happy when they die or when they did die except Henry Kissinger. Feel free to harass Henry Kissinger to the grave. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, that's pretty much everything uh, that I've got. This topic is just so, it's just so complex. My brain is just going all over the place with different thoughts, first of all. And if it's okay, I'd like to keep talking just a little bit more if we can. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, yeah. Okay, all right, yeah. cool. I feel a, I feel a wrap-up coming soon, but... Uh, yeah, but I, I just didn't want to keep you... Yeah. Like, we're already an hour past that. when uh, I said we'd be done, so... <laughs> Well, if you wouldn't make this so goddamn fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I am too. <laughs> it, it is. Just a, it, it's just a really interesting topic and one that I've never, like I said, just really had dived into before. I just kind of, you know, my, my first impressions again of NoFap, or no, I'm sorry, No Nut November um, was just kind of, oh, those guys are fucking weird. Also, I'm going to stay away from them. Which is probably a good instinct. 
but <laughs> thank you. I pride myself on my instincts. The title of normal porn is so odd to me. And because it's like, yeah, it, and I was, yeah, I was curious about y'all's thoughts too, but I have a feeling we're going to be on the same page, but it's literally like going into an art gallery and, you know, there's, there's different forms of art, you know, we all know that. Uh, but then you specifically find yourself in the painting hall and it's, it's like saying, I don't like this one because it's not normal. And like, there's no normal when it comes to art. There's, there's right. absolutely no normal when it comes to it. And that's what throws me off the most is even categorizing these different videos as normal and not normal. Um, which, you know, I guess in and of itself is almost a, a call to the actual websites because they do categorize these different, you know, videos. You have like interracial porn or lesbian porn, you know, straight porn, gay porn, whatever. But uh, but none of those categories is normal porn. It's normal. Yeah. 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 None of the sites call them normal porn. And I think it really just like ties into the overall culture of the anti-PMO movement, which is that there is a very specific way to be a man. And if you divert outside of that, then you are not being a proper man. You're not being normal. You're not following the life script. And like, it, it's part of their like system, as far as I can tell of controlling their members. Yeah, definitely. It's very like multi-level marketing where you just use a bunch of buzzwords to kind of get people to do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's something that we didn't really touch upon too much in the, the script because there's just so much to go over, but uh, nofap.com has a like premium account option and I think it's $10 a month. Um, like I was not able to find out how much nofap LLC brings in on a yearly basis. Like they don't have to report that because they're an LLC. They would have to do that if they were a 5013, um, which is probably, or a 501C, sorry, uh, which is probably why they aren't a nonprofit. But I know like according to the press release, they have like 30 to 35 employees and Alex Rhodes is the CEO of it all. Like they're, they're pulling in a lot of money. So they have a very, very vested interest in keeping people uh, coming back to the site. So if they can, you know, bring in that heavy shame, which is where the ties to uh, the 12-step program comes in of like, you know, you can't do this on your own. Like you have to, like you're nothing without us. And if you watch porn even once, then you get fucked up and you're going to have to come back to us to get help again. Like, it's just, it's insidious. It is insidious, and it is disgusting, and, like, ugh. Gosh. Yeah, just ridiculous. I, uh, while you were talking, I actually looked up, just out of curiosity, Alexander Rhodes' net worth, uh, and I'm a little surprised that it's only $342,000 as of October 2019. <laughs> but, um then it makes you think, you know, how much, so, you know, net worth is, uh, you know, money, money spent and money earned. And, uh, so maybe what if he does pull in a bunch of money? This is just my, let me put my tinfoil hat on. He does pull in a ton of money and majority of it, but then invest it back into his nofap.com to keep it running. You know, I mean, there's, there's really no telling where a lot of that money is coming from or going to either. Yeah, and, like, there's not a list of employees that I was able to find, so, like, I don't know, like, who who's profiting from it. Right. 
I am surprised that actually I'm surprised at the numbers of employees because it's 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 a small company and for some reason I expected it to be big, you know, but at the same time I'm also not surprised that it only has 35 35 employees. Like it's interesting because I think that means that uh, under like Obamacare they actually have to provide health insurance if their employees are working more than like 35 hours. If I remember correctly, yeah. It's, in, it's interesting. They're it's they're just big enough. <laughs> Another thought about what they mean by normal porn is there's a recurring theme throughout NoFap's website that normal porn for men to look at doesn't include trans women, which obviously it's normal for heterosexual men to be attracted to women. Yeah. There's, there's nothing gay about that. And what they do actually when they're talking about like the homosexual OCD, they'll take people who are a straight man who watches a porn video that has a trans woman in it and then they will say that well either ask ask yourself if you have watched this video and are attracted to that trans woman ask yourself are you attracted to men and if you are not if you don't like this is a quote a direct quote from the website if you don't turn your head for every guy you see walking down the street, then you're not gay. So therefore, your attraction to trans women is caused by porn. When obviously that's not I, how it works. My, my brain is trying to make sense of it. Like I, I think I just tried to follow, do the mental gymnastics routine myself, and I just cannot... Like that that is the stupidest thing. Yeah, there's there's no logic to there it. There's no logic to it. It's like you do the mental gymnastics and you just fall. <laughs> exactly. Off the bar. Exactly. You know, and even going back again, their their homophobia, it's it's even interesting to me that they talk about what is normal porn and what isn't normal porn. And, you know, anyway, there was a the quote I'm sure you, you all have seen on Reddit as well, where it's uh, do you watch porn between a man and a woman? Uh, you know, as a man, if you do, then that means you see a penis, which means you're homosexual kind of thing. And uh, but then if you eliminate the man completely, it's two women. Well, that still makes you homosexual. So, you know, gotcha. <laughs> so <laughs> It's so weird, like the the whole like manosphere. So like all of the men's rights people and the people who are into like NoVap, like that whole whole group of people are so obsessed with like whether or not they're gay and like as a gay person myself uh i don't even think about being gay that much like <laughs> they are so obsessed with other men and their dicks that like it's it just screams mind-boggling sexual insecurities 100 percent. yeah that's all it is it's wild. It is it's wild. wild shit. It's crazy that there's people like that that exist. They just can't be cool. Guys just need to smoke more weed. If I can just be Joe Rogan for a moment, you know, just you gotta smoke that DMT. <laughs> Changes their life. Well, no, they are smoking the DMT <laughs> is the problem, though. They're just not smoking. Free, free the weed. That was dumb. We can rewrite that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll keep that one in. <laughs> We have to have at least one one clip of you saying that was that something you said was dumb because I did that to Phoenix last episode. It's happened to me at least once an episode each episode so far. It's I love it. I love it. I'll be the fall guy. Oh, I was just gonna add real quick that they do in multiple places 
talk about how smoking pot reduces your testosterone the same way that masturbating does. Uh, and so you have to uh, stop that too. I, I see. I don't smoke myself um, because I like my testosterone intact. Did you? <laughs> and so I don't know if that's, did you fact check that? But not the, not the, you know, the no masturbation thing, but does smoking weed lower the testosterone? Uh no, it, it does not, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Like Nate Dog said, smoke weed every day, right? Smoke weed, yeah. <laughs> Rip in peace. I want to pour a little Rip water off him later. That's really funny. <laughs> That's what I say to people whenever I don't think their jokes are funny, too. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think your joke's funny, but I, I meant the topic, the whole... Um... A cat is just a very, like... A dry person uh <laughs> it's it's something that uh she and i both suffer from where like we'll we'll say something and it sounds sarcastic but it's actually not so like it, it i sound like an asshole to everybody that i talk to and it's like no i didn't mean it that way i'm so sorry please don't hate me i want to hear what it sounds like when y'all argue <laughs> uh-huh. Shit, i don't really argue i can't that's, that's i can't think of any thing. arguments yeah I'm too soft-spoken for <laughs> this. It's adorable. I will just scowl. So one more thing I wanted to touch on, and again, this can be left in or omitted. Um, I have a acquaintance I've known for a while who was actually a uh, actress in the porn industry. Uh, she had lived in LA for two to three years, and she... I guess without disclosing my location, I, I just met her at work uh, where she was at work one day and, and uh, we hit it off, swap numbers, and then I would drive the hour to go see her like once a week or vice versa. And uh, I mean, she was just really cool, really down to earth person. And her story is absolutely incredible. I, I hate to tell it for her. So I'm just going to kind of give, uh, I guess, just a quick synopsis. But uh, like y'all were saying, whenever she lived out there, it was basically a four-hire job. Uh, she was independent. She had to cover all of her own expenses, and but they paid her a, a ton of money. Uh, in order to make this money stretch, she basically lived in a house with a bunch of other actresses. And, I mean, so that was just kind of, you know, her stories revolving around that was just the interesting aspect of the porn industry. But what got me was actually the religious side of it, because she is Muslim, her parents found out because one of her friends was mad at her at the time and basically leaked that she she was doing porn. Mm-hmm. And the community she lives in is very, very Muslim. And so her parents caught wind of it very quickly. And her dad was livid. And this, this still, I, I just can't believe it. I know it's a religious thing, but he flew her back to her home country to go get re-virginized which was, uh, God dang it, what's hymen? She had to get her hymen, like, sewn back intact, essentially, by a doctor. And, yep, and then religiously blessed. And hearing that is just, I just couldn't fucking believe it. And so I'm sitting there with with my mouth wide open, and she's just laughing. She's like, what, like, what's that look for? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, listen to your story and tell me that's not fucked up. And she's like, yeah, do you not do that? Do you guys not get re-virginized? <laughs> no. No. So I yeah. okay. Virginity as a concept is complete bullshit anyway. Um, like the 
only like sex with another person, no matter if they're a virgin or super experienced, like the first time you have sex with a new partner is always awkward, Mm -hmm. like inevitably. So like historically virginity has only been used as a like tool to control women, honestly, and like value them um, as, you know, you know, in order to sell them off. So like if a woman was no longer a virgin, then she was worth less. And like, it just, it's bad. It's a bad thing. The concept of virginity is bad. Um, and like the hymen specifically can be broken in so many fucking ways. And right. that using that as your gauge to determine if a woman is a virgin is like, it, it's horrible. And the concept of sewing it back together is just horrifying. Um, yeah, like I, I'll have to get with you uh, afterwards to like get your contact information because I'd love to interview her um at some point just to talk to her about her experience in porn industry yeah yeah i'll see if i can reach out to her again that that sounds an awful lot like the medical testing big quotes that some places do on um gay men in order to like check and see if they've had anal sex as a, a way to test and see if they're gay. And it's really, you know, just an excuse to sexually assault yeah. them. Whoa. There's so much of this stuff. Whenever I told you I was on culture, I wasn't joking. <laughs> this is all brand new info to me. I, and I didn't even know. Oh, God. Like, I feel like I need to tap my own head and say, oh, my sweet summer child, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to cite the book. I'm going to quote from Bob Altmeyer. Well, I'm not going to quote. I'm going to, I'm going to reference <laughs> Bob Altmeyer's book, The Authoritarians, that, um, that our listeners have been uh, discussing. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be an episode of The Internet Was a Mistake if Kat did not reference the theory that I have not and refuse to read. <laughs> Yeah, well, this so this specific book, The Authoritarians, is by a, a psychology professor named Bob Altmeyer, and he did a ton of research on authoritarianism and uh, the causes of it and what things can, what events in a person's life can make them more open-minded and less prone to following right-wing authoritarian figures. And one of the big findings of his research was that uh, it's having experiences like what you were talking about that don't map directly to the model that people are given in their upbringing by the authoritarians in like the church and or by their conservative parents. So when you go out and go to college or go move to a new place or you make friends with a queer person or whatever, then having that experience of disobeying your parents, basically, and doing something against the rules you were brought up by and then seeing that it's fine and normal and everything is good and you actually kind of enjoy it, then uh, statistically makes people less likely to follow those authoritarian concepts in the future. Wow. That's super interesting. So that's like, that is science. Yeah. Huh. 
Yeah, that's incredibly interesting. Um, just exposure to the things. Yeah. You know, I got to thinking about it. I, uh, after I moved where I am now, I started going, well, I didn't start going. I, I support, I support all my friends that I've ever met, uh, you know, throughout my travels or whatever you want to call it. And one of them, uh, frequently went down to the gay clubs and he had his birthday party at the gay club. And it's just like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll go, you know? And, but again, I mean, just kind of exposing myself to all the different people around me. Like I recognize my sexuality. Um, I know what I like and I don't like enough that I feel comfortable to go around in a, in a gay club and just talk to anybody and everybody, you know? And I think that's something that, uh, like a lot of no fat people, you know, need is that like, they would be so much happier if they did branch out and, you know, got that, you know, security exactly. in themselves, you know, like they, it, it's so clear to me reading a lot of the threads that I have that like, they're so desperate for something to like give their lives a meaning and whatnot when like, that they're going to be this cultish uh, ideology and whatnot. And it's like, if they just, just a branched bit, just out, out that echo chamber. Bit and saw the world for what it was like just enough that they, they could live such so much happier and more fulfilling lives. And it's, I, I don't think that if any nofapper were to listen to this episode, I don't know that they would change their minds, but I mean, like if it, if it does change one person's mind, then like this whole podcast would be worth it. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it breaks my heart to, to see those people suffering, um, especially the people who are repressing their, like their homosexual, you know, feelings or their transgender feelings, you know, it's like they're not experiencing their true ideal selves. And it's, it is just so upsetting to see happen. Yeah, it is. It's it's really tough when you want to pull the blinders off of somebody, but they won't let you, you know? They won't even yeah. let you start to attempt to pull them off, so... Yeah, the, the change has to come from within, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, my friend group has a saying, and this is unrelated to the topic and also related. Uh, right, right before they're about to go get laid, they say the pool's open. And so I'm going to wrap, wrap up my side of this with the pool's open. And by pool, I mean toilet. And by open, I mean I'm going to go jerk off in the toilet and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you enjoy that. And thanks for coming on. Coming. That was also Thank done. You can <laughs> uh-huh. delete that one, too. <laughs> Just delete that, all this. That's the one I'm staying in. That's, that's definitely staying <laughs> Nathan, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, I hope you will join us again in the future. Yes, this was lots of fun. If y'all ever talk about flat earthers, please give me a call. Oh, yeah, we oh, will definitely be talking yeah, about flat earthers in the future. I will scream a lot. Uh, the the other one <laughs> yeah. is, uh, well, we can we can discuss this later. Give me a call if you talk about flat earthers. Yes, definitely. Yeah, All right, uh, this yeah. has been The Internet is a Mistake. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Oops Internet Pod. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Phoenix T I W A M. You can find Cat on Twitter at I'm Catherine Space Cat. I'm pretty sure. 
Oh, actually, I do know it. It's at C Space Cat. You can also find us on Patreon at the Internet Was a Mistake Pod, or email us at Internet Was a Mistake Pod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode.